Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What was God's design? It's never changed. Permanent monogamy. One man, one woman, was and continues to be God's design for marriage. It's never changed. Well, Pastor Mark, the world's changed. We need to kind of get relevant, get it up to speed. Look, just read the Old Testament. It hasn't changed at all. Divorce, adultery, bestiality, you name it, the Bible speaks all of it. Nothing's changed. The heart of man is deceitfully wicked. It's interesting that for hundreds of years, scholars in the West have claimed that the Bible needs to be upgraded to remain relatable to modern society. Sure, reading the Bible in something other than the King James Version is reasonable after all. Not too many people speak that way anymore. But Pastor Mark will be teaching today that when it comes to morality, God's way is still the best. You'll find out that all of the things that plague society today aren't new and that God has a solution for them all. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 with today's edition of Lessons for Living. second thing you want to write is this. But as a Christ follower, not everything is good for me. And you could even put in the parentheses, not everything is the best for me. Understand that some practices, though lawful, some things that are fine, really could have detrimental effects on the believer's walk with Christ or in the lives of the others. Later on in Romans, Paul says this, I have to be careful as a believer that I don't stumble other believers. Now, that has some guidelines in both ways. But see, I'm not free just to live to myself. So I have to be careful, i.e., so you'll understand, typically communion would have been taken, celebrated with regular wine. So what do we use for communion? We use grape juice. Now, why is that? Because we have lots of people in our congregations who came from a life of what? Alcohol. So we don't want to stumble them. So it's okay. It's not about what's in the gling anyway. It's about recognizing it's a representation of the body of Christ. So there's lots of things like that that we have to be very careful about. In other words, understand that some things in life are not the best for me. Now, I can't tell you how to use your time wisely. Remember? Love God, love people, and use my time for the kingdom of God. I can't tell you the best way to do that. You have to decide that. 
It might be lawful to do all kinds of things. Now, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12 just quickly, because I want you to see some things could hinder your race with God. They may be okay for some Christians, but maybe not for you. So we're not into legalism. We're not trying to sniff out sin. But I think there's some common sense things. Later on, we'll get into it about eating meat and all kind of other things that will come up. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So some of the things that hinder us are not sin. They're just not the best thing for us. I can't tell what that is for you. You have to decide that. Then he says, there's this kind of over-encompassing sin that somehow it's something that I'm always dealing with. Then he says this, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I have my race, you have yours. As we're doing that, don't put your eyes on the world. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scoring in shame, and sat down at the right end of the throne. Now, again, I can't tell you which are good or best for you. That's for you and God to work out in your own life. And I can't judge somebody else, and you don't want to have them judging you. I'll just mention some things that are good, but if taken out of context and not spending time wisely, could hinder your race from God. Sports. Hobbies, food. I'll just move right along after that one. Computer games, smartphones, Facebook, Twitterers, travel, vacation, watching TV. You can add the list. We have so many things today that take our time, don't we? I'm sorbus. Not bad things if they're under control, if they don't control you. Now, let's go back. What's Paul saying in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 6, 12? Watch how he puts it. I love how he puts it. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. A lot of good things, but they're not the best. Then he says this, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I want you to understand this principle. The only power that should control our lives is the Holy Spirit. Drugs, alcohol, Gambling, computers, television, sports, vacations, you name it, whatever. Many of those things are good, not necessarily the drugs. Some drugs are good because we have to be on them for our own health. But what I'm saying is you have to understand that I don't want to be in the control of a substance or a game. Many Christians are controlled by money and their next door neighbor. I got to have this. I got to have that. No, you just want to come under the control of the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to be in bondage to anything. We want to live under his influence. And that is what brings us real freedom. Now, that's not where you go and go, well, why are you doing this? Pastor Mark said that thing over there. Well, how come you're playing that game on your computer? Pastor Mark said that's not good for you. Shut up. That has nothing to do with anything. That's not your role, is it? How many have trouble with your own self right now? Right? Your worst enemy is who? Just raise your hand. Just point to yourself. That's my worst enemy. So take care of yourself with the Holy Spirit and everything will be fine. Now, verse 13. You thought I was done with food. Ha! Ah, here we go. <laughs> food for the stomach and the stomach for the food. But God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. 
Verse 14, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. This was another common saying that worked its way into the church, and Paul had to say, no, 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 no. The church was using this for sexual immorality. They reasoned, again, that principle that I mentioned at the beginning, that sex was simply biological, purely biological, just like eating. Here's the way the reasoning went in the church. It sounded like this. My body wants food, so what do I do? I eat. And my body wants sex, so what do I do in those days? I get a prostitute. What's the problem? So Paul says, no, you're wrong. Now, when Paul talks about the body, Greek term he uses soma. It relates again to what we talked about. Body, soul, and spirit. Not just the body. God designed our bodies with a stomach, and it uses food to nourish us. But in the end, these stomachs and this sense of being dependent on hunger is going to be gone in heaven. By the way, you're going to be able to eat in heaven. Good stuff, and you'll never gain an ounce. Go to here and the amen right now. That good. Yeah, that was worth coming to church for, all right? But our whole person in this moral sense, relevant to our sexual conduct, notice that last verse, will be raised up by the Lord at the resurrection. So what we do in our bodies in regard to food does not affect us in the same way that we do our bodies in regard to sex. So you want to write this down because the world does not understand this principle at all. God designed our sexual drive to be physical, but also emotional, and spiritual. The world doesn't understand that at all. Has no concept of that. It's simply a physical act. It satisfies a hunger that we all have been designed with, a sexual hunger, and that's all there is to it. Now, look at verse 13 again. I'll probably mention this twice. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. That word is pornea. And it's a wide range of sexual sin. I'll talk more about that in a moment. It's all kinds of sexual sin. Now, look at verse 15. Here we go again. Do you not know? Same principle. They do or they forgot. So he's teaching them. Maybe new people have come to Christ. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? We already proved that as we started earlier, the last verse and going forward. Shall I then take? the members of Christ, and unite them with a prostitute. Now, Paul doesn't beat around the bush. What does he say? Never. Now, we wouldn't necessarily put prostitute in there. We put a friend, hooking up, whatever, all kind of things that we do today. In those days, it was the prostitutes. It was from the temple. Well, it's from the temple. It's okay. Money goes back to the temple. Pay your temple. What is wrong with you, Paul says. Now, look at verse 16. Do you not know, here we go again, that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body. Now, where'd that word one come? You'll see it. For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. What Paul was saying is this. Whenever a believer commits immorality, he or she is dragging that union with Christ, into an illicit spiritual relationship. You say, it's sinful. And so, if a person, a Christian, is having sex outside of marriage or extramarital affair or before marriage, and they're Christian, who's living in them? 
God is. So they're dragging a sinner into a sinful situation. It's not just the body. It's body, soul, and spirit. So it's not physical, but this intercourse involves the whole person. Now notice in these verses, where does Paul go back to? He goes back to, and we won't go there, he goes back to Genesis 2.24. He goes back to the very principle that God when he designed marriage, what it looked like. Paul goes back to the design of sexuality, which was limited by God back then, only within marriage. One man, one woman, no change. One man, one woman, in marriage for life. That was the design of God. Even in Matthew, Jesus said, haven't you read? When they ask about divorce, can I divorce anybody? Haven't you read? Let's go back to the beginning. See, the beginning was one man, one woman for life. Family came from that. The family knew about God from mom and dad loving God. Kids were raised. The next family went on. That was a society. That was how we worship God. There was no church. There was no school. There was no government. It was man worshiping God with a wife, loving each other, enjoying the sexuality God gave them. From that came children. Children would learn about God. So that has never changed. Does that look like our society today? No, far from it. I'm sad to say, does it look like our society in the church today? No. So Paul could be writing these very same things. Genesis 2.24. Two shall become one flesh. So you may want to write this, or you don't need to write it, but you need to remember it. What was God's design? It's never changed. Permanent monogamy. One man, one woman was and continues to be God's design for marriage. It's never changed. Well, Pastor Mark, the world's changed. We need to kind of get relevant, get it up to speed. Look, just read the Old Testament. It hasn't changed at all. Divorce, adultery, bestiality, you name it, the Bible speaks all of it. Nothing's changed. The heart of man is deceitfully wicked. So this premise, I like what Warren Wiersbe says. Listen to Warren Wiersbe. Sex outside of marriage is like a man robbing a bank. He gets something, but it is not his, and he will one day pay for it. Sex within marriage can be like a person putting money in the bank, their safety, security, and he will collect dividends. Could I hear an amen? Now, come on back. Come on back. All right, now. I do want you to turn to Genesis 2 for a moment, because you have to see God's design. Now, as you're turning to Genesis 2, let me just remind you of one thing. Do not, when you begin to read these things, say, well, this is God's restrictive. He's against people. He's against fun. He's against fulfillment. Not at all. That's the way the enemy worked with Eve. Well, God's trying to keep you from having a great life. He said, you can't go to that one tree. That was foolishness. Now, let's look it down to verse 22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out a man, and he brought her to man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason... Uh, and there's a lot of marriage things here that we can't get into. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united. I use when I teach on this called superglued to his wife. And they will become one flesh. If you've ever superglued anything, you become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were so embarrassed. Is that what it says? No, not at all. 
Well, now, who designed them naked? Why didn't God design Adam and Eve with clothes on to start? Because sexuality was perfectly pure and wonderful. So, you see this great gift of sex. We've already talked about it. But let me ask you to put this down. Because sometimes in our marriages, we miss the other part. It's not only good, but it's enjoyable. And it's supposed to be fun. Could I hear an amen on fun? Some, somewhere out there. Okay, fun. Fun. And Christianity, sometimes because of history, misses all this. God is the one that designed each of us. In this room, everybody listen to me. It's only two of us. A male, female. A man and a woman. And we have all the kids today that go, well, we're going to have to live together because I have to see if we fit and it works. Let me tell you, it works. <laughs> it always works. You can relax. That's a foolishness from the enemy. So how does God look about sex? What does God think about sex? I don't have time, and I don't want you to get off track because none of you remember anything I said. You can later go to Song of Solomon. And, I mean, that's R-rated only for adults. But I threw one up for you in case you're a prude. You need to get over it. Here we go. (laughs) Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. This is God speaking through his word. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. May her breast satisfy you always. May you be ever captivated by her love. This is not from Hugh Hefner. This is from God. Is there any amens out there? Okay. So now come on back. Forget all that. Let's come back to what I was teaching. Okay. Some of you, you can't forget it. Come on back, come on back. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13. So where is this to happen? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Take a look. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed, talking about not the bed, but the sexual union between a man and a woman, kept pure. For God will judge, now watch this, Most people understand adultery, but they don't understand the second part. For God will judge the adulterer. In other words, if you're married and you have sex with somebody outside the marriage, you've committed adultery. And all the sexually immoral. There's back to that again. The marriage bed is basically sexual intercourse. In this one verse, God defines sexual sin before marriage and after marriage. It's right in front of us. For our own good... God did those boundaries. He set them because he knew man. Now, may I write this or say this to you? You don't need to copy it, but you need to understand it. Any intimate sexual activity outside of marriage is sinful and destructive. Notice, God won't bless adultery. He will not bless sexual immorality. In the long run, it hurts all of us. Sin is destructive. And so the sexually immoral basically is talking about before marriage, sexual intercourse, living together. Before marriage is a sin. It's simply a sin. Of course, homosexuality, lesbianism, bestiality, incest, uh, oral sex, uh, friends with benefits, hooking up, undressing, touching someone sexually, all of those things, sexual, all of those things before marriage, absolutely wrong. Absolutely a sin. Within marriage, lots of different things are allowed. But again, that has to be consensual between the husband and the wife. Now, people do not want to get married for one reason. Because it requires a commitment. Agape love is a commitment. 
There's three kinds of love, as you know that. There's a sexual love that God put in us. There's this emotional love that God put in us. And he also put us in this commitment love. And that's why in this church, in many churches, we will not marry a believer and an unbeliever. Because it'll never work. Can two walk together unless they agree? It won't work. So we make sure both are believing. And of course, we have so many new people that come. They, don't, they understand adultery was wrong. They understood that. But they never knew, because of our society, that being together before marriage was a sin. So we have to be very kind, and we help them, and we give them hope, and we separate them and tell them, okay, here's how it is. Here's what the Bible says. Now, it's not bad for you. What you've done is done. Is, now let's get on the right path, and we'll help you. And we have many couples that go, okay, I want to do it God's way. Praise the Lord. Amen? Because that's a good thing. Now, couples that live together before marriage, we know there's all kinds of stuff with that. 50% greater chance of divorce. That was a 50-year study. more chance of divorce than those that don't live together. So what am I saying? Pretty simple. In our latest term, there's probably more with the young kids or whatever, but hooking up. What is hooking up? Hooking up was any kind of sexuality, doesn't matter what it was, and it was only a physical act. has nothing to do with anything else. That's wrong. It's simply wrong. So here's the next thing you want to write. It goes like this. Sexual intimacy is reserved only for the marriage relationship. By the way, It should be in the marriage relationship. Now, that sounds strange, doesn't it? But you'll discover that Paul has to begin to speak about it because it isn't in many marriage relationships. It's non-existent. Paul says, that's wrong. What is wrong with you? So... Isn't it amazing that God speaks to every single aspect of our lives? Every single thing. And I know some of you, you've come from a church and maybe you go like, Pastor Mark, why would you talk about this stuff? Well, God's talking about it. Where are you going to read it? Pastor Mark, our kids don't need to hear this. By the way, you know who they should hear from first? Parents. Absolutely. I don't know that parents. Well, I'm not sure. They know more than you know. Just teach them. Maybe they can teach you something. But teach them back to where? The biblical principle. Because they are not hearing this in school. Anywhere. Now, let's go back to verse 18. What do we do with this amazing sexual drive that God's given us that's for good within marriage? What do we do with it? Well, Paul tells us. The scripture tells us. Look at verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the timelessness of the scriptures. You learn that the things that go on today really aren't much different than what happened thousands of years ago. You found out that the Apostle Paul had good advice for the Corinthian church, which was trying to figure out what sexual behavior was godly and what sexual activity wasn't. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will be wrapping up his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. You'll hear more about God's original intent for men and women and where sex is involved in that relationship. You'll find out how Satan has corrupted the concept of sex and how listening to God can help fix relationship problems you might be having in your marriage. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.